You're listening to The Dworkin Report, and I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. I'm here with Christine Pelosi, an elected DNC Executive Committee member from California, here to talk about the top healthcare issue of our time, Trump's American epidemic of COVID-19 cases. Speaker Pelosi passed a COVID relief bill called the HEROES Act in May, which also has a national test and tracing plan to eradicate the coronavirus. But Republicans have blocked the measure every step of the way while dragging out negotiations through the election, not in goodwill either. Trump specifically opposed the national plan to stop the coronavirus from spreading. It stopped for now with GOP Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocking the bill. Those are the facts for The New York Times and Washington Post. Christine, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast to discuss this. My pleasure, Scott, and thanks to, for the Democratic Coalition and all you've done to help promote the HEROES Act and direct relief to the American people. Well, it's just it, it's so beneficial to everybody. It just makes a lot of sense. It's it's a win for everybody. Uh, you know, now that we have the facts established, I, I want to ask you to explain some of the details. Trump and the White House specifically opposed the national test and tracing plan. The Times reported that there's even a very low privacy intrusion way to do it. Uh, why do you think this president is so dead set against stopping a deadly virus well donald trump's theory of the case is that he would be cruising to re-election as he told the people of erie pennsylvania he wouldn't have even been there campaigning asking them for their vote were it not for covid so he says his theory is look but for covid i did a great job as president um the facts say otherwise, number one. But number two, even if you even if you accept that theory, then you would have to say, well, then why didn't you handle COVID better? Remember from the start, what did we learn? We learned from Bob Woodward's tapes and recordings with the president that the president said he played down the dangers of the virus publicly, including the fact that it was airborne very early on because he didn't want to put the American people into a panic. He didn't want to risk the economy. As it turns out, he was risking the economy and people's lives. And so the second thing we learned was that when Jared Kushner, who has no government experience and no public health experience and no public health advocacy experience, uh, decided that he was going to be in charge of the COVID relief, they literally said, um, we're not going to get the equipment out to the blue states. Let that be their problem because they won't vote for President Trump anyway. So they downplayed the de deadly nature of the virus from the start. They didn't want to do testing because, as the president repeatedly said, if you, the more testing you have, the more cases you have. Now, scientists would say that's a good thing because then you learn the epidemiology of a disease, how it spreads, how it manifests, and then you learn what comorbidities make it worse, smoking, vaping, um, having diabetes, um, having um, obesity, things that you can, things that you could change or course correct in order to change the way the virus is moving through you. Uh, that is why a national strategy was so important. And now as we mourn with the 220,000 uh, Americans uh, who died and their loved ones and the 8 million Americans who have COVID now as a pre-existing medical condition, and we have concerns um, as with respect to when we can safely reopen our schools and our small businesses, including the public schools where my daughter goes in San Francisco that have just told us we won't be back till at least January. And even then they're starting with the special ed kids first, followed by the really little kids. Uh, so we need a testing strategy. We need help for people on the front lines. And 
it boggles the mind as to why in the middle of a presidential election, if for no other reason than to goose the stock market that Donald Trump loves, that he would be refusing $2 trillion of money back into the pockets of the American people. Why do you think Republicans are, are so dead set against signing a COVID-19 relief bill, even though it would help their constituencies a lot now that GOP governors like Florida's Ron DeSantis are ending eviction bans like that, uh, such as what what he's doing before the state's tourism economy can be revived? Why do you think Republicans are so against this? I don't, I don't understand. Well, I think that it's important when we look at politics, let's figure out what are the markers that that Democrats and Republicans are looking at? Democrats are working with labor unions, uh, grassroots organizers, people who do uh, work on the ground with food service groups, with domestic violence prevention groups, with with mental wellness organizations, and with a lot of mayors and and county executives. And what they're getting, bipartisan, by the way. Is the, is the information that this is a public health crisis and that there are certain informational steps that people need in order to continue staffing the front lines, to continue being employed on the front lines, and to survive uh, this disease. That's what Democrats are looking at. They're looking at the unemployment numbers. They're looking at the eviction numbers. They're looking at um, the, the caseload numbers and estimates. What Donald Trump is looking at are the uh, is the stock market, and he's looking at uh, the polls, which tell him that the two places where he's just bottoming out are women and seniors, and those are the people, the seniors are most risk to die from COVID, and the women are most likely to be the caregivers, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, uh, in the polling that they do yearly. Uh, women are responsible for over two-thirds of uh, a family's health decisions. So they're the caregivers, uh, the people who deal with the insurance, the people who deal with, um, you know, uh, caring for not only doing the direct caregiving, but taking the people to the doctor's appointments, et cetera. So they're the, the women are really on the front lines of this disease, particularly black women, brown women, and Southeast Asian women and Native women. And they are really, really concerned. So if you're a Republican, you have two things going on. On the one hand, you have uh, what your own constituents are saying, which is they need help. On the other hand, you have a president who has used really deadly, not just toxic, but deadly masculinity to make fun of people who wear masks. And you have a majority leader in Senator McConnell who is trying to rewrite tort law and say, well, I'll give you some money, but in exchange, you have to be willing to give up any right to sue your employer if you die on the job, even if they were negligent in preventing you from getting COVID. And so it's really the fact that, that Trump doesn't like the masks because they're visual manifestations of his failure to control the disease. And McConnell doesn't like workers having a voice on the job and an ability to sue if something bad happens to them. Are you surprised that Trump and McConnell are also fighting with each other over the COVID-19 relief? Well, as I wrote in my book about my mom, Speaker Pelosi, the book is called The Nancy Pelosi Way. When I write about the very first meeting that the speaker and the other congressional leaders had with President Trump in his first moment as president of the United States, when he walked in, this was the meeting where he infamous, infamously said, you know, I won the popular vote and I'm not even including California, talking about voter fraud, which, again, 
echoes exactly what he's saying today. The other thing he said, we're going to do infrastructure. We can work together. We do infrastructure, right, Mitch? And McConnell says, only if you can pay for it. They didn't mind the tax cuts that took money from working people and gave it to the wealthiest people in the country. Those don't have to be paid for. They do wars on credit cards all the time in the Republican Party. But suddenly, if we wanted to do infrastructure, if we wanted to do public health, if we wanted to do every anything, according to Mitch McConnell, it had to be paid for. And so that's been a constant fight, a constant fight between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. That's where Mitch McConnell draws the line, which is at so-called being a so-called fiscal hawk, deficit hawk, when it comes to serving the needs of the American people, but not when it comes to serving the needs of corporate America. And the Senate, led by McConnell, is rushing to replace a self-described, I guess, handmaiden onto the Supreme Court. The Judiciary Committee, chaired by Lindsey Graham, broke their own rules today by voting it out of the committee without a quorum. Do you think that American voters will punish Republicans for prioritizing the Supreme Court over COVID relief? And why? The issue ever since Donald Trump became president has been health care. The Republicans, as an article of faith, article of bad faith, have tried to repeal the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act ever since it was passed and signed into law 10 and a half years ago. It has been their belief that um, to the extent that there is a quote unquote replacement strategy, um, the only one that we saw was the one that John McCain fa- famously voted down with his thumb after grassroots Americans across the country had over 10,000 events um, saying protect our care. Their theory is sick people pay more, healthy people pay less, and no one should be mandated to have health care insurance. That, to the extent they have a theory, that's what it is. And so therefore, uh, Democrats won the House in 2018 and won uh, races up and down the ticket on the health care issue in 2018. It ushered in the most progressive, most diverse Congress in the United States history, making Nancy Pelosi speaker again. And if you look at the issue on everybody's mind, it's health care. Amy Coney Barrett is going to the Supreme Court to succeed, not replace, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg is irreplaceable, but to succeed with Bader Ginsburg now because the Monday after the election, the Supreme Court is going to be hearing oral arguments from the Trump administration, once again, trying to ta- trying to repeal the entire Affordable Care Act. That's why they're putting her on the court. That and the fact that she worked on, Trump, on uh, Bush versus Gore 20 years ago, along with Justice Kavanaugh and Justice John Roberts, I might add, in... Uh, that election and recuses to refuses to recuse herself when it comes to election decisions. So in short, the Republicans want to take away your health care. They've made no bones about it. No sitting Republican senator or member of Congress has stood up and said, Donald Trump, drop that lawsuit. Don't take away health care in the middle of a pandemic. Let's get reelected and figure out a different way to bring people their care. Not a single Republican has done that. Not a single Senate Republican will have the guts to stand up and say in committee, as they didn't today, didn't have the guts to stand up and say, now is not the time while people are voting. First of all, because it's not right, you should let the people decide. Ten states were already voting when Justice Ginsburg died. But it's certainly not right to put her, someone on the court who said in response to Senator Feinstein's questioning that she did not agree that Medicare was constitutional. 
So voters are going to be voting health care. Voters are going to be throwing out these Republicans who refuse to protect them. And I might add, Republicans have the presidency and the Senate. They have a big opportunity to give people health care in this pandemic, and they refuse to do that. And the combination of rushing a Supreme Court justice and failing, failing to pass meaningful COVID testing and relief is a combination that will uh, sweep them out of office. I do believe that there, there's still a chance for a COVID relief bill, because if, if Trump feels he needs it badly enough, I think that they'll put enough pressure on McConnell to uh, bring it forward. But that has to come, you know, that has to be a relationship that's worked out between Trump and McConnell. And unfortunately, everybody else has to pay their bills that are coming due very quickly uh, without their own money that they could be getting back. Any final words of inspiration or wisdom for our listeners before the election here? Grassroots organizers have been focusing on healthcare from the start. We resisted Trump because we were resisting his assault on our rights, his assault on our democracy, and his assault on our health. And that all was happening even before the pandemic. And now with this pandemic, I'm so proud of the work that people are able to do. And I just wanna say to all of our volunteers and all of our voters out there, stay strong. We know what's happening. We all miss being with each other. We all miss having that sense of healing community, that sense that Joe Biden is offering us as a country. And you have a very stark exploitation by Donald Trump of that feeling of needing to belong. He's saying, you don't need a mask. You don't need to separate. Crowd surf at my rallies. Democrats are offering healing community. Republicans are offering herd immunity. One will lead us to health. The other will lead us to more death. So vote as if your health and your life depend on it, because this time they do. Christine Pelosi, author of The Nancy Pelosi Way. Go buy the book now. We'll have the link in episode notes. Uh, Christine Pelosi, thank you again for joining me today, explaining some of the things that are going on the Hill and uh, in the most simple terms. And I really appreciate it. And I think uh, this will make a big difference coming to, into the election here. So thank you again for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you, Scott. And thanks, Dem Coalition, for all you do to help. We appreciate we appreciate that. We're going to push on through. We're all going to keep on going uh, onward. And so, uh, you know, here we are. Let's sprint to the finish line. We've got this. Let's go. Let's go. Thanks again to Christine Pelosi for joining me on the show. You can follow her on Twitter at SF Pelosi. Thanks again to our producer, Grant Stern. You can follow him at Grant Stern. You can visit our website at dworkingreport.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep resisting.